welcome to the Savage Beast podcast. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Joe Gallagher, and uh, our other host is Paul McLeod. I'm here. How's it going? You are there. Yeah. Uh, it is going well. Um, uh, you know, just uh, interrupting uh, your cover, your, our um, viewing of the Republican National Convention to talk a little bit about our favorite patriotic country songs tonight. <laughs> yeah, um, I think we'll just review the Republican House Band set list, uh, including My Sharona, Ring of Fire, um, all the real classics. I would say that my favorite uh, patriotic song is uh, Richard Cheese's cover of Down With The Sickness. <laughs> Obviously. Open I mean, up your hate, let it flow into me. <laughs> That's going to end up on a dollar bill someday. <laughs> <laughs> oh richard cheese um <laughs> no really what i'm doing is i'm scratching the roughly 100 mosquito bites i have my ankles from visiting the south this weekend oh do you have zika Nah, probably um but i'm not having any more kids so oh there you go no big deal yeah i mean unless i guess zika probably just sucks to get yeah Normally. here it's like a bad flu but yeah yeah, yeah. Eh. good deal yeah. Um, <laughs> I have no, I have no insect-borne illnesses that I can that I can speak of. But that's good. You know, I'm in, I am uh, infected with <laughs> with. I mean, there's so many <laughs> places I could go. Uh, I've been infected by uh, Apex Twins' new album. Uh, we opened with a track from it. Uh, it's the Cheetah yeah. EP. So I guess it's not an album. It's an EP. Um, but it's uh, a long EP. It is. It is. Uh, I, I feel like he, he could call any... The labels are just something that he can do whatever he wants with. Track uh, list number is just a number, man. Right. Right. Track count. Um, Paul, Aphex Twin, one of your favorite artists of all time. Yes. Uh, tell us your thoughts on his latest work. Um, it's a, it's just amazing to me that this dude still has it so hard. Um, he's been going uh-huh. since like the early '90s, if not the late '80s. He's been releasing music, and uh, here we are, uh, 25 years later, and this this little EP is as good as anything he's ever released. Um, there are I mean, a few like sort of short throwaway tracks, but the especially like the closing half of it is uh, just pure sort of like less abrasive and uh, complex than he has been doing, but um, still totally engaging and interesting uh, beat based electronic music with the weird melodies and chords he does. Yeah, I mean, if if his career was an erection, like he would <laughs> he would need to go to the hospital right away because uh, yeah, it's just been raging. The forty eight uh, hours of Cialis uh, effects are just still going strong in his case. Yes, uh, <laughs> um, uh, I just I I uh, never mind. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go anywhere further with that uh, metaphor. <laughs> um, well, we are sort of just, you know, 
sucking up to him really hard. So there it's you a go. Fair one. There you go. Um, you could see his music could just like is represented by this like beautiful glowing robot dick. So it's like flashing <laughs> to the beat. I don't know. Like totally just like it has that techno phallic uh, quality to it. <laughs> but but there's also the feminine in Aphex Twin Joe. Let's not sell them in. Well, yes. Sure. Yes. Um, why does the phallus only have to be associated with the male? Um, this is all very important for understanding that aphex twin is the most remarkable composer of melodies and harmonies i think i've ever experienced in the modern age and it's it's just amazing i you know and and i think with this ep um there was kind of that return to my favorite uh quality of his music or at least he's emphasizing it again where he just has these strange toys i know he has like a particular weird uh uh synth synth that he was using for this um and uh you know there's a playfulness Mm -hmm. um of just a kind of a child who's been let loose alone in a toy store at night and can just kind of do whatever he wants and like whether the results are like joyful or sinister, they're just um, uh, kind of, you can't, once you start listening, you can't stop because he, uh, like you said, he creates these beautiful melodies and then he finds ways to change them and uh, Mm -hmm. disrupt them uh, that you just have to keep listening to see what happens next. I mean, I think it, it just kind of physically hooks you. Um, yeah. Uh, in a way that a lot of producers, uh, you know, would do so with, like, the beat, and he does it with his his melodies. Yeah, um, which is not to say that his beats are in any way neglected. No, they're, no. They're great beats. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's weird. Like, there are lots of producers who will put out an eight-minute, dance track where they do sort of variations on a theme and i find all of them boring mostly um but aphex twin is just like i don't know i think like what you said is true about his method that he will just go in and you know reinvent everything and do whatever he wants i think there are lots of people trying to do that you know like you've got um like a guy like venetian snares there's certainly or or you know just other idm guys like that right there are no uh technical or sort of you might say musical ethical barriers they're putting around their music but aphex twin just has a genius that that they and basically everybody else who's ever lived lacks well I, uh, (laughs) i think with a lot of with idm and a lot of the infinite uh varieties of dance music uh you know uh edm there uh is there can sometimes be this uh idea that you know a producer is you know he's 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 smarter you know his his work is kind of you know it has a musical genius it's not just something that you're like listening to waiting for the drop but mm-hmm. i i think that um aphex twin is just basically stealing from them i mean he admits as much in interviews actually i just read an interview where he's lamenting that he can no longer like steal and not get caught because everyone <laughs> everyone knows everything now you know he can't it, it, because of the internet you know everyone can hear 
like every single kind of music. Um, yeah. But uh, he's just basically stealing from them and then creating, you know, uh, music that's meant to be listened to um, as as art, as an album. You know, where you yeah. sit down and listen to it um, in your stereo at home. Um, mm-hmm. And even though it still has a lot of the sounds that you might hear in a club, uh, it's just completely different music. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with that. Again, I just want to emphasize that uniquely among people trying to do that, he seems to be able, maybe it's just a personal taste of mine, but yes. he seems to be light years beyond anybody else trying something like that. It's yes. just, uh, he's, that's the genius I refer to. That's sort yeah. of whatever it is that allows him to compose everything. But anyway. Yeah, no, I agree completely. <laughs> Aphex Twin, still good. Uh, yeah, and as I, our, think, I think this is an improvement from his last album, Cyro, which was his big comeback, which ah. I found, which I found great, but a little darker and denser. It's um, definitely denser. I yeah. mean that that is. Um, so uh, this is a conversation we're having just because I disagree with you. Okay, Cyro is uh, definitely better, if only because I will give anything uh, big bonus points for ambition and uh, well-done complexity. Obviously, there are attempts at complexity that suck. Um, but um, You're I You're still agree. giving them credit. You're still giving them credit, even if yeah, they suck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, not, not as much. Um, <laughs> you know, but anyway, um, Ciro, or Ciro, is how I always said it, uh, is... Um, it's uh it is harder to get into and uh I think the pitchfork review made the point that no two bars seem to repeat and I haven't been able to find them wrong in that um it's super dense um but it is still accessible enough at least uh for my taste and um I don't know just the d- degree of difficulty on it and the the sort of mass of it makes me that's the kind of thing that I uh I appreciate in my yeah. great artists attempting. Well, maybe, and I would say that, you know, if you are a slightly more casual listener than us um, yeah. and you listen to a track from that and you were like, whoa, um, yeah. it, this, the Cheetah EP is worth listening to. You'll find. Um, yeah, that's a much better entry point, I would yeah, agree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, friendlier. Uh, what's your favorite Aphex Twin album? Uh,. It's probably either Ciro or Drux. Yeah, my, mine is definitely Drux. It's uh, so good. <laughs> which is, demonstrates the full range of his compositional talent from the most complex electronic music to straight up piano uh, yeah. sonatas. Or, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're Eric Satie-like uh, little, I don't know what you call those things. Yeah, Just those are, yeah. They're very... Confections. Variations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say, you know, like the one problem with drugs for me is like you do have things like that one 10 minute, like just sort of horror soundscape track, which <laughs> isn't bad, but True. it's a uh, cute novelty. But I don't really ever feel like ah, I should go listen to uh, the sound of basketball shoes squeaking and then things smashing into each other. <laughs> <laughs> but really? I guess I'm not really a noise music fan, there although sort of, as we'll discover later. Um, you don't you don't listen to uh, Lou Reed's heavy metal music. I have never listened to that. 
and I'm not really that tempted. Um, it's off. It's off. I mean, it's it's as bad as everyone says. <laughs> there's, there's no need. There's no need to listen to it. I mean, I could. Yeah, I could appreciate something like that as a practical joke. It's, it's on, kind of yeah on the butt sniffing music scene, but yes. but if you expect to actually listen, ex- get anything out of something like that after. Maybe I should go listen to it just to find out. <laughs> but if you, it seems like that's one of those things where there's just there's nothing to extract from it other than that joke. And I was yeah, the, I was, I the was laughter gonna, stops pretty quickly. I was you know? trying to think a novel to compare it to. Like I was thought, is it like Finnegan's Wake? But that, no, was, that fin- springs to mind. Yeah, I think Finnegan's Wake. Like at least you would learn something. Like you'd probably learn a lot. Like reading it with the like the you know like glossary next to it. Um, S- See, I think your approach to Finnegan's Wake, because it's so long, has got to be just let the word sensations flow over you. Like, you don't go. don't try to actually understand literally whatever he meant, because probably nobody can, because it's there's a lot of nonsense in it. Truth. Truth, truth, truth. Um, uh, we will find the appropriate novel comp to Lou Reed's Heavy Metal Machine <laughs> at some point. Um <laughs> It's the, it's the book that Jack Nicholson wrote in The Shining. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, I'd read that book. <laughs> I think we did. It's, yes. The contents are there on the screen. Um, um, yeah, it says that the moon landing was faked. <laughs> By Stanley Kubrick. That's yes. awesome. Yes. Um, uh, all right. So we sort of drifted into our topic, Joe. We did. So tonight uh, we are going to discuss um, why we like music so much. Yeah. Uh, which is, I think that there, uh, that it seems to me that the conversation when you ask, you know, why, um, actually, I, I take that back. Let me phrase the topic differently. It's specifically why, you know, you and I are part of a group of people that like music more than other people and maybe maybe and so then (laughs) of course there's a question that goes along with that is you know do we really uh (laughs) question mark question mark exclamation point (laughs) ellipsis um yeah so are you are you asking me that question joe open open parentheses okay yes (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. So what? So Paul, where when you, um, what are your initial thoughts? Yeah. Um, so I guess there to to preview other questions, just so they're out there. Yeah. There's do we actually like uh, music better than other people? Um, the other. Right. And um, do we? Um, if so, why? And if so, how? Which is, I think, also an interesting question. Because mm-hmm. um, we might just like music in a different way. Um, so to me, I guess step one would be to try to faithfully reconstruct the the relationship of the typical music user so we can compare ourselves to it. And to yes. me, that's... <laughs> That's like a person. I'm actually doing this on the fly. I didn't think to do this until right now. So, <laughs> sorry if I offend anybody with my horrible stereotypes of regular people's music uh, relationships. Well, feel free to correct this us. This is going to be wrong. good. 
yeah it's not it's not i'm not trying to be offensive i'm just you know um uh to me let's say your average person just seems to like music uh you know there's the cliche that you always like the music that was popular at the time you came of age or learned to fall in love as my dad always says um which does seem to hold some truth yeah and i suspect that it's because people have especially strong passions at that age music is perhaps uh the most readily uh able to project passions genre of art or a medium of art i should say um you know like i've gotten pretty worked up reading a novel or even looking at a painting uh watching plays or whatever and movies but um music can really give you that hard hit of uh of emotion in about within about you know a minute and a half or even shorter in some songs so it's accessible to the large majority of people for that reason um you have to it, it will come to meet you and then uh so so it reflects a lot of their when they're feeling a lot of these passions in their adolescence, they see it reflected back at them with music. And then as they get older and things cool down a little bit there and they become, uh, uh, ever nostalgic as our society is, then, um, returning again and again to those sorts of songs they originally fell in love with, uh, can no longer arouse the same fiery, uh, suffering and yearning and glory, but it um, it definitely reminds them of feeling those things, and that is uh, as good as it gets once you're a wage slave. So, um, <laughs> oh, got dark at the end. <laughs> so that would be my. So then those people will, you know, they'll flit around with new pop songs, maybe, um, uh-huh. but uh, mostly they're looking at this sort of simple pop songs that arouse them in youth uh, for a period of like five to 10 years. And um, that's all they're really looking for out of it. Am I, am I giving people too little credit, Joe? Am I a chauvinist, well, a musical chauvinist? I think what you're saying is you think that the um, average person's relationship to music is uh, a passion uh, when they're young, uh, of varying degree. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, sort of a slow fade into, um, you know, maybe nostalgia and comfort as they get older. Yes. And I would add that I don't think of the average person as putting a lot of work into it. They put a lot of, they get a lot of passion out of it, but they sort of take what's readily at hand uh, that sort of mirrors their feelings and expect anything to sort of immediately have that whatever effect they're looking for or else that's it right which could be expressed in many ways in terms of like uh they like aren't they aren't going to concerts they aren't seeking out music beyond what they hear yeah uh, on the most popular readily accessible channels right and i think that's because they have a certain sort of um you know non-stressful relationship to the appreciation right. of art yes or <laughs> yeah or at least to music yeah 
Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yes. Um, um, okay. So, yeah. What is... So, you have... I think we understand each other. Am I an asshole? Well, no, I don't... I mean, so you're... I don't see anything in there to say you're being an asshole. I mean, it sounds like yeah. you are, you know, just to say that that's sort of the typical pathway for, you know, um, someone's... Uh, kind of relationship to music uh, over the course of their life, um, I don't really see anything to disagree with or to really like, um, I would say that there is, um, well, there's not much to get angry about in that, yeah. in, in those statements. Um, okay. Uh, I, I could imagine somebody saying it's condescending. Um. Well, yes. <laughs> well, that's a good question. I mean, part of it is is I think when you get to the question of you know how a certain a person might like music more than another person, um, yeah. the big question is: Are they just being condescending about their pretentious taste? Yeah. You know, uh, and is do they like music more, or do they just are they just more pretentious about it? Yes, um, and that is our task to explore now. Yes. Um, and All right. I, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, so, if you had a point, then please proceed. With well, that. I was going to proceed into maybe some evidence that it's more than just being condescending. Okay. Um, if you had, yeah, um, if that's where you were going to go next. Yeah, I was going to ask you to go ahead and, and, and provide the counterpoint. Yeah. Um, well, I say that I, I, I think the place that I start is that I know that I care more about music than other art. And I think there are uh, people that care about other forms of art more than music. Um, true. So I think that is like the first distinction I make. Um, you know, uh, and, so you're comparing yourself there perhaps to other aesthetes. Yeah. Other people who might yeah. really love you know, ballet or something. Right. Which is kind of like an initial proof to me that yes, like I at least am more interested in music and find something more vital in it than, than other people do. Um, and, um, maybe getting a little later to whether I have like kind of more devotion to, to, um, art than there. Like this is represents a devotion that, you know, someone might not have to any form of art. Um, mm. you know, like I just, for myself, I know that like, uh, talking about any movie for an hour, like even if I really love that music movie, um, that sounds like kind of a chore to me. Um, really? Yeah. I mean, like I, I like Lost in Translation, for instance, one of my favorite uh -huh. movies of all time. But if you're like, let's talk about that movie for an hour, I'd be like, ah, okay. Like, well, <laughs> uh, part of like, that is just that whoever says that is definitely a bore. <laughs> right. But no, if you if you came up to me and said, you know, let's talk about the strokes. Is this it for an hour? And that's kind of that, you uh, know, the, is this it? It maybe is like my 15th favorite album of the 2000s. I'd be like, are you sure we don't need two hours? Because I have a lot to say about <laughs> it. Um, so it, it's just like a, a deeper interest and enthusiasm for the the discussion um, that that springs forth from music. That's interesting because I think dramatic narrative works are probably the easiest thing for me to discuss at length, um, which is not really the pop music where we talk about at all. Interesting. Um, yeah, but go on. Um, and I think that that, um, 
uh, I, this guy, I could I could get rolling here into like the reasons that I like music more than other people. Um, <laughs> uh, well, so are you going to be talking about it as compared to people who like other forms of art more? Um, well, that's how I kind of be. I mean, that's how I kind of began yeah. my analysis. Um, okay. Uh, I think well, that. Um, to me, uh, uh, and I've said this before on the cast, uh, you know, I, I think each person, uh, is looking for something particular in art or looking for a particular set of things in art. And those, mm-hmm. those sets can overlap, but they don't, you know, they're, they're not, they're certainly not identical for every person. Um, you know, what they're trying to get out of it. Um, and, uh, you know, some people are seeking those things more strongly than others. You know, they have something that it's more important for them to find in art, um, that's true. than other people do. Um, and that's just, I, I think that's both nature and nurture. Um, uh-huh. and, you know, I, I think that's kind of where I started is that I, I, I feel like I, you know, am, you know, perhaps, you know, in an ultimately futile, futile quest, uh, <laughs> I am, you know, always searching for something that I need in music. Um, yeah. The way that I think it's, it's easy to see that, you know, some of our mutual friends might look more towards movies for something uh-huh. like that, for instance. Um, yeah. Or that some people might just not, clearly don't care about as much yeah that makes sense yeah um do you let's say so let's compare you now to i i definitely agree that there is um to some extent we seem to have more sensitive music antennae right. than even other people who have a real devotion to art right um um Comparing yourself and your yearning to find something in music to, let's say, a person who generally just doesn't seem to have a strong relationship to art, more like the person I was describing earlier. Do you think that it is better to be your the way you are, or worse, or neutral, or does the question even apply? Oh, you're so you're saying is it is it a curse? <laughs> Or no, I'm at, it might be a blessing. I'm, I'm I honestly leaving it open. I'm not trying to lead you in any direction. Right. right. Um, well, uh, hmm. It's that is one place where I could only kind of, you know, my exper- my experience with myself is just so much richer than the second hand experience of others that that's true I, all i could do is say well you know sometimes i look at people who are a little uh less inclined to go on this you know quest than i am uh-huh. and see that there are you know there are clearly benefits and drawbacks from that um yeah and uh that there are times when i'm like you know fuck i wish i could just turn this off and and just you know 
care more about um, <laughs> spreadsheets, I guess. I, you know, I don't know. And I'm trying to think of a good generic <laughs> Very thing few here. actually care about spreadsheets. Yeah, <laughs> but... Um, Not if they have to do them. <laughs> right. But then it's like, well, but then I maybe I would be a less interesting person, which um, yeah, uh, that would be disappointing well, I, to me. I wouldn't be your friend. Right. There you um, go. Um, so no, I, I don't know. That's a good question. What do you, what, what is your feeling? I think so. So your caveat that, um, one can never know the minds of others. Um, uh, that is a good one. Um, but notwithstanding that I, uh, uh, like you said, there are drawbacks, but I think it is definitely on the whole, a good thing to be, um, to be the kind of person who's who is uh, searching for something, I'm trying to avoid making reference to Pascal's God-shaped hole in every man's heart here, um, <laughs> which we fill with so, with distorted guitar. Um, now there is a Pascal's God-shaped hole shaped hole in this podcast. <laughs> is is not is not the inverse of a hole the thing that fills the hole and is that they're not saying that god is in this podcast joe yeah it's kind of a kind of an an innie rather than an audi is that (laughs) (laughs) anyway um uh so um yeah i think i mean so i'm gonna say that if there were only one scale to uh on this one aspect i think it is better to be in a, a a person who um who craves quality in any art. In my case, you know, music is one of the ones I favor most. Um, so I wouldn't say that if you, if you tell me that you, if you were able to demonstrate to me that you're getting these deep, passionate, um, not even necessarily, not only passionate, but also, you know, sort of stimulating experiences out of, um, you know, honestly, if you could demonstrate it to, that it, to me, it was from looking at anthills or something. Right. Um, I don't think you could demonstrate that. And if you told me that you really love Ant Hills, I would probably be like, you're, you're just disturbed. <laughs> I wouldn't <laughs> believe you basically. Um, but, um, if somehow, you know, you could with divine aid, show me the truth of your deep inner experience. Um, I wouldn't say that mine was better because I liked music or anything, but right. I do think it is good for any person to have those sorts of experiences and to seek them out. Um, so and I think, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Well, I guess the, you know, are, are we getting a little away or I guess I would ask you, how does this relate to the question? Like, how does this come back to the question of whether and why we like music more than other people? Are you, are you, is this just, uh, you know, your example of the argument that probably, we like music the way just other people have passions for, you know, Ant Hills or <laughs> television or ballet. I think we probably have more artistic passion than most people. Right. Um, but, and I was trying to uh, explore the question of whether that implies some sort of uh, spiritual hierarchy which I like to do just because that's sort of a thing that's not very popular right now. So um, that was an aside Got to um, <laughs> do that. Yes. Anyway, um, so as for, I think, I think we definitely are 
uh, high on the percentile for having strong feelings about music. Right. Um, I think the way in which we go about our music is, um, you know, it's probably there's probably a sort of uh, circular relationship between our methods of uh, appreciating music and our just basic inclination to for appreciating music that causes us to spend a lot of time uh, listening to and thinking about and talking about over the internet uh, music. Right. Well, it becomes part of our identity and. Therefore, we That's true. work to kind of reinforce that identity. That's true. Although, well, my fear of being seen as a um, uh, a nerd uh, prevents me from totally flaunting it. But here I am on this podcast. Um, yeah, anyway. That's true. You are using your real name on this podcast. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so um, I guess... I, the next thing I wanted to discuss was uh, what we look for in music, what rewards us so much. Um, and to do that, maybe we should play some samples of music first, Joe. Yeah, why don't you, if you have a track you want to uh, speak from, uh, sure. go for it. All right, so people, what I'm about to play you is called um, Track th- It's It doesn't have a name. It's untitled. It's the third track from Pita's album, Get Out, which is very obscure, but I think it's on Spotify. It is. Um, it is. Yeah. <laughs> you, people, you are in for a treat. Yeah. So I'm going to warn you. I'm going to play a, a sample of it. Uh, if you choose to listen to this, um, do so in a place where you're a situation where you're able to listen to like 11 straight minutes of weird music and don't have the volume turned all the way up. And don't do it with anybody else around unless they too are fully prepared to listen to weird music. Because if you don't listen to it in one of those situations, there's a part a couple minutes in where you will turn the song off after within three seconds for sure. Um, So just (laughs) prepare yourself. Here we go. Right, that was just a little tease. Um, yeah, it did not get to the good part. Yeah, well, that part was good, but it didn't get to the awesome part. Yeah. So, had you listened to that track before, Joe? No. Tonight was my first time, like a, about <laughs> a couple hours earlier. Did you Did you jump out of your chair? I I was prepared for, because you had uh, okay. sent it to me. I was like, this seems like it's gonna get crazy. 
<laughs> yeah, so that uh, I got turned on to that guy by um, reading an interview with Colin Greenwood around the time of Amnesiac, and he talked about how he was into that album. And um, I was like, oh, cool. So uh, I think I listened to the track originally as a sample through, like, just a preview sample through, like, the real audio player, which we have previously denigrated um, to our honor and glory. Anyway, um, so uh, based on that, I bought the CD. And my friend Mark's reaction when I put it in was um, that he was convinced that it was broken and just had been totally <laughs> mismanufactured. Um, because that track is actually the one of the only ones that has an identifiable melody. Most of the rest of it is actually just noise sounds um, all sort of mashed together. But that one is like 11 minutes long, and spoiler alert, you should really go listen to it, but uh, it's it just sort of loops that very long, um, you know, reasonably sort of sentimental melody harmony thing uh uh which is memorable and yet so long that i couldn't really hum the whole thing to you even though i've listened to the song a bunch of times and it gets sung, stuck in my head all the time and then a couple minutes in he just fucking lays the distortion on and it is some of the most sharp and abrasive distortion uh that you can actually make yourself listen to um, you think at first, and then it gets really crazy over the next eight minutes, um, to the point that um, you know one worries for one's audio equipment as one is playing the song. Um, was your was your wife around when you put it on, Joe? No, I was listening on headphones, so no. Oh, okay, which doubled the effect. Yeah, plus uh, Chief might have just died on the spot. That's your true. Poor dog. Yes. Um. So what what I dig about that song is that it um, there are a couple things that I think make it really uh, work for me. And this song is one of my favorite songs. I almost put it on the Meaningful Music playlist, but I thought I would hold back on the uh, the abrasiveness a little bit. Um, but um, it on the one hand, it sort of you know draws you in with this really um, easy to like melody um albeit it's a little sort of processed at the beginning um but then it really makes you work to uh to enjoy the rest of it because it's really a punishing eight minutes of just making the melody as distorted as it possibly can be and then continually fiddling with the settings on the distortion units uh just turning up the overdrive and the bass more and more and more until it's uh a real wall of digitized like not even like analog um sort of warm distortion but digitized sharp uh sandpaper distortion that still somehow manages to let the um the beauty of the bass melody get through um, even when it's a total squall of white noise. And uh, just the combination of um, making you work for it and uh, without sort of totally abandoning um, the principles of uh, sort of artistic order that we've been, always been, uh, have been classically more uh, appreciated is uh, one of the things that makes it one of my favorites. And um, I don't know, it says something to me about the way my taste works that that 
Um, it, and I should say then the, the multiplied effect of these two forces is that, um, I don't know, I reach a point of sort of, I can reach a point of sort of, uh, you know, emotional, spiritual ecstasy by the time I've gotten to the end of that song, if the mood is right and right. nothing is distracting me. So, uh, and, s- go ahead. Oh, I was just going to, so I keep thinking to elaborate my point, <laughs> <laughs> which is um, the most, the best thing I can get out of music is that, which is I've seen referred to as a peak experience. And hmm. basically, um, uh, as we'll discuss, that's not the only thing I get out of music, but um, that sort of thing is what I'm really looking for out of music that I don't, you know, a lot of people, that's why I don't listen to music when I work out because um, that is sort of uh, not the, not the highest purpose of music to me and I can't bring myself to do it. Uh, Weirdly, I usually listen to our podcast when I work out. (laughs) I listen to podcasts when I work out all the time. I probably have listened to ours. Um, So your voice just like makes my muscles flow, Joe. There you go. Um, fa- it purrs into my thighs. Fast, there's a lot of fast twitch and what I'm saying. <laughs> um, so it seems like where you know you're going with this is that you think that, um, or maybe I'll, I'll say this. It seems like that someone with a, like an average, um, I don't want to say like a sort of a, a you know what is the the average level of interest in music would have a very difficult time both finding this song and um, connecting to it in the way that you describe. I mean, it could happen by chance that they both find it and, uh, you know, reach um, uh, that that peak experience that you describe with it. But Mm -hmm. it, it seems to be extremely unlikely that if they're not already um uh in need of something and attuned to something that they would be able um to uh get to that point yeah and i don't necessarily think it has to be through this particular song right Uh, i'm sure there are people who love music who uh whose taste i would admire who would hate that song yeah yeah um but um yeah that i think you have to um, you have to be willing to push yourself past things you know you already like and things that just are easy to get into the first second you hear them to find some of those deeper experiences, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, things that require you to, I don't know, really just concentrate on them and use all your mental faculties to appreciate them are, I think, what... The, the experiences available by doing that are what characterize my taste in music um, to get beyond sort of just sort of ordinal comparisons, not saying right. uh, whether my taste is more intense or better, but just how it is. That's, I think, one of the, the primary defining characteristics, although not the whole story. Got it. Um, OK, so to continue the discussion, uh, I would like to play a track now. Yes. Um, let's listen to Abner Jay's. I'm so depressed. This is this is an excellent contrast to the one we just yeah. listened to. Inside. Because it's got a bigger butt. Do you know why elephants don't smoke? Because they can't get their butts in the ashtray. I know a boy who took his girl out on the country road the other day, stopped his car and took his key out. 
says to his gal, now you gonna be like a camel and walk a mile, like a Chesterfield that's satisfied. She said, it depends on whether it's king size or regular, daddy. That is, it's one of my favorite songs of all time, uh, mm-hmm. Abner Jays. I'm so depressed. Um, and uh, he's a kind of fascinating outfit. He's one of the musicians I'd like to write a book about because there's very little information about him out there. He seems to have lived a itinerant lifestyle, frequently uh, as a one-man band. Uh, Which is the whole, name of that album. Yes, he had a whole setup to kind of play uh, every instrument by himself. And I think you could kind of hear the that he was kind of playing the drums, uh, the drum, like a single drum with his foot as he uh, sang that song. Um, yeah. You should write the hell out of that book, yeah. too. I would read that. Yes, a lot of uh, Deep South poverty in there. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Paulie, whenever you want to give me a grant to write to take a year off and write that book, I'm, <laughs> I'm on it. Um Okay, so that song, beautiful song, um, and uh, I instead of getting too far, uh, you know, into the song itself, I, I use it to express, you know, a reason that I think I like music more than um, the typical person is that I feel like I have, um, uh, you know. A high level of, of emotional intelligence and that music can often serve as a primary text for um, discussing that it's it's a, a form of original research um, where the musician uh, you know kind of is the the, the researcher the scientist um, you know looking for new discoveries confirming old ones in kind of the field of human emotions um you know and and i think i have an interest in um you know having that discussion about quote unquote feelings but like a Mm -hmm. complex and intellectual analysis of you know the emotions of humans and i think oftentimes even emotions that we don't necessarily have a name for 
um, you know, that, that there are, you know, states of being, of feeling, of understanding that, you know, uh, certainly don't fit into the categories of happy or sad and that we're not really taught, um, you know, to, uh, um, acknowledge by name or really like stop and think about. So Mm -hmm. I think that's, yeah. The Germans have probably named them. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yes. Um, and that, I, I think that that's somewhere where, you know, music appeals to a part of my brain that wants to have that discussion um, and wants to learn more about that. So it's sort of an, an educational experience, um, you know, which I might, uh, I might weirdly compare it to like, um, not weirdly, but I, I might find an, an odd comparison in, um, uh, you know, just the the idea of like you know giving someone advice about a personal problem or something like that or like a relationship problem it's kind of this uh it's like a, a an, an interest in that area of human uh human relations and um yeah uh, yeah and and um so in that sense music is like a uh in instrument by which you can access other states of being than you have personally yourself experienced yes and learn about them and probably and talk about them in a way that it's difficult to talk about them in any in you know in english yeah Um, and also well i think that's not just yeah um when they when they communicate those feelings to you um you know, the trick of art is to uh, evoke them and not just describe them like one would do with sort of more prosaic words, you know? Right. Yes. Um, so I think that's why music especially is, and other art forms yeah. are especially valuable for that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's kind of a direct connection to that, that I think that I, I just can't imagine that every... Um, as much as uh, I think a, a lot of people would be moved if they heard that song, um, yeah. I, I just can't imagine that, you know, it, everyone is interested in that, um, that information and discussion as much as I am. Yeah. Well, this gets this. There's also a point to be made about the sort of difficulty I was talking about before, which is. Yeah. I think most people who would listen to that Abner J song, which is in case I haven't said it yet, is fucking incredible. Um, and we didn't even get to the part where he really lets loose. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I think the reaction of most people, I find the song to be imme- uh, intensely transporting to the, <laughs> the sort of dark nostalgia of thinking back on your life and realizing that, it was a wasteful disaster. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, uh, because, partially because you were just dirt fucking poor. Right. Um, but, um, uh, which really sort of is interesting. Again, be, uh, this is an aside. It, it's an interesting counterpoint to the idea of the sort of nobility of the suffering, humble masses. Um, if they look back on their lives and they're like, that fucking sucked. Um, that should tell us something <laughs> anyway um the uh i think the reaction of most people to listening to abner j would be like 
Jesus Christ, what is this racket? Because he sings uh, with a super abrasive yelling uh, tone, and it's not very well recorded. It's not really in time. Um, and it's just sort of like, you know, just this little guitar and uh, and those other elements I just mentioned. And I think to most people, they if you were like, can you dig this? They would look at you and be like, uh, they would be sort of like pained and feel betrayed that you would try to put them through this. And um, that would be the end of the experience for them. So it's interesting to me that we are willing to go out and try something more difficult like that and weirder and less accessible because uh, these, like you said, there's certain sorts of experiences that you can't get any other way. Yeah. Um, and that uh, is about our, hmm, I guess it's, it's you know, I, I think that, you know, there's probably a very, a very wide variety of people would be able to understand uh, that song. Like ultimately, if they did sit down and took the time to listen to it, you know, they could understand it, but, and pretty deeply, but I, I don't, I think most of them would be a lot less interested than we were. Um, I think in, they would be so put off by the abrasiveness, they would not want to. Now, they might be able to force them to. Right. But. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's true. That's probably true about the song you played as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this is something that strikes me about like 50% of the time when I play music that I think is cool and on the poppier end of what I'm listening to. Uh, when I try to play it for new people, um, as often happens on like road trips with colleagues or something a lot of times i'll put something on and about one minute and i'm like oh wait this is really fucking weird (laughs) (laughs) these people are hating this so much right now (laughs) i thought this was more accessible but it is it is not that's happened i put on a jenny haval album oh wow yeah with three female co-workers once i was like yeah no never mind we're switching this one (laughs) oh no that's a good example (laughs) um so yeah i mean i think my experience every time i do that is that the people are just sort of being like if they like me enough they're just sort of silently putting up with it um and if not they're like hey i'll take the next song right um uh yeah that's a good i feel like that's a good anecdote you know i hadn't really thought too much about anecdotal evidence that we like music more than other people but i feel like that that there's so there are a lot of variations of that story where we are really excited about where i'm like really excited about something and just am unable to get anyone else excited about it because they just don't care as much and they're not they're not as patient or interested yeah and and it's it happens even though I know that I have weird tastes and I need to tone it down for other people. I still <laughs> misjudge sometimes like that. Right. Um, other times they like it fine. But yeah. Um, um, yeah, that was a, I. I had something else, but it's gone. <laughs> um. Well, do you have another track that you want to play? Yeah. Okay. Um, so. Uh, another example of um, music that I think works uh, 
well for me, but doesn't work well for everybody. I said that those peak experiences before that I was talking about weren't really the whole story. Yeah. And I think part of that, or another way that I appreciate music that not everybody else does is sort of just pure novelty um, gets me sometimes. Now, the things that are novel like that (laughs) don't always have uh, as deep or lasting of an impact. Yeah. They still can to some extent. Whoops. I actually started this song. Hold on. Um, And um, so I just wanted to play one that works, that works for me and also probably does not appeal to most people, but in a totally different way and see if there's anything to be learned from that. Excellent. So here we go with uh, tough ghost by the unicorn. So yeah, that song to me is like uh, just sort of, uh, it, it just registers to me as poppy most of the time I listen to it, but um, uh, <laughs> it's not really. <laughs> no, exactly. To us, it's, yes. <laughs> it's like a, it's a weird cracked, you know, circus version of poppy. Um, you know, it's like bright, cheery melodies, but then it's also got sort of a helter skelter beat and um not like the song helter skelter just sort of a uh, a syncopated beat and then sort of a weird little synth line and then weird lyrics and also just a weird structure like it the movements there at the beginning we don't even really get to a chorus and we've been through uh two or three or four themes so um right yeah that's the kind of thing where just um i don't necessarily get like what i was talking about earlier where i'm like Oh, I see into the depths of the universe listening to this, but um, uh, there's something just totally delightful about uh, just a a really original creation like that, even if it's sort of uh, just a goofy story about um, a ghost that swims in the sea like that. Um, well, so I don't know yeah. that there's something about my taste that can be seen there. And I'm not sure I can totally understand it myself. I think there's a, you know, this, um, possibility that even when it comes to pop that, you know, if you care about music, if you're interested in music more than average, then, you know, the, the sort of generic radio pop of like, for instance, like Taylor Swift, it's just not going to be enough for you. Even yeah. if you, even if you're interested in that, you're like, okay, pop music is a fascinating genre. Like, I, I need 
the, I need something that's more thoughtful. Um, yeah. Then, you know, even kind of like a well-written mainstream pop song. Um, yeah. and I think that's where things like, you know, this, this song by the unicorns and in fact, this entire album by the unicorns <laughs> really, you know, comes to, um, you know, provide that more in-depth look at, uh, at pop. I guess it, the album is called, uh, who will, who will cut our hair when you're gone? When we're gone. When yes. we're gone. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Which is actually their only album. Yes. But and uh, definitely sadly. one of the like, uh, called a, the pillars of indie rock with a capital I, capital R. Certainly from the, that mid two thousands period. It's, yes. uh, it is, uh, it is awesome. If, I love yeah. it. Yeah. And again, you know, this is an album I once played, more close closer to when it came out back in 03 or 04 whatever for a group of friends who have reasonable interest in uh uh nerdy things and uh was accused by one of them of uh listening to really gay music because of it um yes so yeah it's just hard (laughs) it's often hard to tell how other people (laughs) react I, i feel like that i you know kind of have worked really hard at figuring out which uh you know what music that i like you know other people were like i recall last time like our you and i were together with like our friends like i played like you know future islands i was like uh-huh. uh, and i was like new beforehand i was like this is an album that lots of people will enjoy listening to i agree know? that one is actually a big hit with everybody I play yeah it, play it for yeah um but, and yet even it, you know, does have that sort of weird pop thing. Maybe not quite as abrasive and quite as uh, outre, um, except for when he's doing the death growl. But. Yeah. Which is so weird in concert. He does it a <laughs> lot more in concert. I was not That's ready cool. for it. I love it on that song. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I don't even like death growls, but it somehow is perfect there. I just, that band is, the Future Island is just like, it's a bunch they seem like a bunch of dads it's uh-huh. like a it's very much it's, it's they're a fun show yeah well the weird dads are kind of the most admirable people that's not quite right but there's a certain admirability to the weird dad type um <laughs> yes uh much like with sun city girls like we talked about it yes. a couple episodes ago yes go rocking dads and rocking moms <laughs> what's a good like weird mom band uh, Slater Kenny at this point. I guess so. Yeah, right. Uh, Kim Kim Gordon doing anything? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. Um, or maybe like maybe like the Breeders. They weren't moms then, I'm sure. But yeah, uh, I don't know. They have that vibe. I just mean like, yeah. Anyway, women like kind of <laughs> women like over thirty, like over thirty who are like starting a new band. That's uh, like okay. Awesome. That's like, hmm. hmm. I'm sure there's some out there. Our most pretentious yeah. listeners should email us these things. Yeah, and we're bad people for not knowing them already. Yeah. You know. Um, all right. Anyway, we got, we got distracted. Yeah. Uh, I I will say I'm not going to actually. Uh, I mentioned another song we could discuss, and I'm going to bring it up now just because uh, what you were saying led into it a little bit. Okay. I'm not going to force our listeners to listen to this one because it's a terrible song. It is Hoobastank's The Reason, which (laughs) came in on a bar the other night uh, when I was in it, and I was like, 
it, it was a bar that was playing nothing but those late late 90s early 2000s sort of uh quote unquote alt rock hits like that song um and i was thinking like this music is just super dire like it is among the worst music that has ever been really popular um just as a genre all those types of bands like that and i was thinking i wonder to what extent my appreciation for or will or or burning desire to seek out new interesting more thoughtful or or well-wrought music is because this is the music that took over um, right after my music taste crystallized, you know? So, like, um, I got into music. The, the, the first music that really captured me was sort of, like, r- more mid-'90s radio alternative rock. Things like, this is, like, the time when, like, Seven Mary Three and Bush and Collective Soul and, uh, you know, Stone Temple Pilots and the Smashing Pumpkins were all really popular. Right. And I feel like I ended up swearing my long-term allegiance to the best of those bands. Um, but so then after that, when I felt like the radio was good, we started getting this utter trash like Hoobastank and Lifehouse and then the new metal groups, of course. And I was thinking like, did that experience of, of right when I should be, have been enjoying music on the radio uh, the most, uh, having it be taken over by these uh, just, you know, uh, barbarian hordes of uh, frat bro assholes um, did that permanently send me fleeing to the avant-garde um, because I just learned that the mainstream could not be trusted and should never be bothered with again from that experience yeah that's that's and and so yeah, that's really interesting so then maybe it's like you were sort of you know forced into care because you you really liked music uh-huh. You were said forced to sort of amplify that in order to still um, have access to the music, to to yeah. to good music, um, and it, especially in an era that was like just it just happened to be at the time when you know it was not exceedingly easy to find that on the internet. I mean, it was getting there. I mean, Napster was out there, but it was still hard to figure out like what new music to download on Napster. Um, yeah. Yeah. And to be honest, a lot of the extra ease of exploration came when people could start embedding things on web pages. That's right. what really, yeah. It, without the fucking real player. Right. Um, that's when things really got a lot better. I feel like, um, because yeah, if you, if you were this person, like we're describing in the eighties, you had to read a lot of fucking zines on bad photo off of bad photo copiers and, trade around a lot of tinny uh, homemade tapes and that would not be as good no uh, it would not be yeah. um, and I think that that you know uh, previous generations have certainly gone through previous generations of music uh, you know what are we what are we calling these people that like music more than than is normal uh there's definitely a word i mean hipsters hardcore uh, <laughs> hardcore you hipsters yeah hipsters we'll say hipsters that's it, it's a music, ready term music these days. hipsters um you know they certainly have experienced this before and had had to struggle even more than we did to to you know look they had to actually go find a zine and 
in their local store that had an interview with some with you know an underground band mm-hmm. in it or something like they that. had to talk to annoying record store employees yes right um make a friend at a concert etc um yeah. the horror uh, <laughs> but um uh, yeah, it's a really interesting, it's just, you know, to think about like, well, what if, you know, they'd just been playing Modest Mouse and, you know, the microphones on the radio, you know, yeah. like it stayed popular. There was still 120 minutes was still on MTV in like 2001. And, you know, the, the music hadn't just, just fallen off a cliff. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's possible that we would have given up some of our obsession uh yeah it's possible that i would have at 25 you know if it happened later been like oh well i guess music is just bad now and i would have just stayed with my the thing you know figured i'm 25 i've learned enough good music i'll just listen to these 25 albums for the rest of my life well that kind of yeah kind of gets back to my what i was saying before is that i think um one of the reasons that i was so uh one of the reasons that I feel like I like music more than other people is that, you know, I did come to see it as part of my, uh, identity and Mm -hmm. I, I was compelled in various ways. Uh, I was propelled, um, by the fact that I was, you know, a little more interested in it, obviously. Um, and then I kind of, I enjoyed being an authority on the subject uh, among my peers. Uh, I enjoyed, um, you know, knowing more about bands than other people did. Like, even if we, you know, you know, uh, it could be like a competition almost between like, for instance, like me and, and our friend Jesse, like who knew more about the Smashing Pumpkins. Um, oh yeah. You guys would definitely have those conversations. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> I would, and I, I remember the time Greg was like, all right, which is better. Here is no why. Or jelly belly. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, the right answer is that there is neither is better. <laughs> I could still, I could have a whole podcast on that question. I like. <laughs> um, um, which is better, Paul? Uh, here is no why is way better. I, I think, I think, um, I maybe would have said here is no why for a long, long time and have come now to appreciate Jelly Belly as kind of a lost single on Melancholy. Mm, uh, I just some, I just love the 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 riff and the sort of ascending levels of distortion in Here Is No Why yeah. so much. The drumming on Jelly Belly though is just Yeah fucking unreal. Yeah. Anyway, not to get distracted, <laughs> I kind of built that identity and I kind of found ways to sustain it, whether it was like, you know, trading bootlegs, making bootlegs of concerts, you know, uh, reading as much as I could about music and, you know, continuing to trade songs and bands like back and forth with friends like you and, um, um, you know, the people I met at college and, and, you know, certainly being that person at college as well, um, and then kind of at college running into, you know, more, more like Joe's and Paul's and, you know, who are like, you know, totally obsessed with music and it kind of amplified there. And it, then it became sort of, you know, a piece of a group identity almost. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, that definitely happens. Although, you know, I guess I did have quite a few friends who were into my music. I also had good friends who hated it. Um, <laughs> including one friend who was also a huge weirdo and actually was a classical pianist and a, who wrote his own classical piano works and just thought that like neutral milk hotel was an abomination. Um, dear God. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so what, what is our, what's the final question that we need to ask here? I feel like um, we've, we've, we've poked and prodded at the, at the topic a lot. I don't know. I actually sort of was, I think I got it. What I find so entrancing about music, which is just it's, it's ability to deliver that sort of peak experience payload in a lot of different ways. Um, and then there is also, I mean, you know, there, you can extend this discussion indefinitely. The fact that I've been listening to like that PETA song for, uh, something like 14 years now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, now with music like that, that gives me those types of experiences, I do not put it on unless I am, seeking one of them you know right um so that helps preserve their longevity but still um you know the the fact that you can sort of have an ongoing relationship with a piece of art like that um is uh one of the things that i think is most fulfilling about music it's probably easier to do that with music too than with say novels because though people do reread novels if you want to read a lot of novels you can't read a lot of them uh, a lot of times you know true um whereas you can listen to your favorite albums uh quite a number of times before right. you die right well, which is something that that might be a value that that might be something that you and i value uh in a way that someone who you know considers you know fiction far and away their favorite art form um they they don't care about the fact that they could read you yeah. know all of their favorite novels 50 times yeah, it's just interesting because, you know, as you change, your relationship with the music changes. So it doesn't yeah. have to be just nostalgia that you return to old music with, True. but with your new self, you know? Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so I think I think I would, you know, kind of, I mean, my conclusion, you know, nothing is going to convince me that I, um, that I don't, you know, like music, you know, uh, significantly more. Uh, than the general population uh, mm -hmm. does. Um, and I think that that's uh, fine and good. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. Um, mm -hmm. And I guess the question that lingers with me is despite, you know, all the, the reasons for that I've given, it's still kind of unclear to me, like how, um, you know, what's the ultimate meaning of that? <laughs> you know, like, is it something that I, that was destined? You know, I mean, let's say, I will say that music has, has and, and this is something that I, I looked up, and music has basically, since it was like, you know, since the first recorded instance of it, I think about 40,000 years ago, you know, where there's like, there was a musical instrument found. Like, mm -hmm. it, it has existed, you know, 
in basically every society you know there's evidence of it in every like civilization and society so you know i guess the question is you know what does it mean to be what has it always meant to be someone who you know likes loves making and or listening to music and uh you know how it does it matter that it's music um (laughs) uh and I mean, I, I tend to, my, my general answer is yes. I mean, I think that, you know, uh, if, if anything in the universe quote unquote matters, like, well, that, that must matter in some way. Yeah. Uh, that part I definitely agree yeah. with. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I have no idea <laughs> why. I think I, you know, like I can get a peak experience like I'm talking about out of a novel or a movie, or if I'm sure if I cultivated my uh, interest in it I could in ballet or uh, you know in paintings or anything but you know that it's a different there's a different sort of form to the experience with one medium versus another um, where music is you know the characteristics of music are that it is uh, it has a time dimension you know you listen to music for a certain period of time and it's continuously changing during that time um, you know, whereas with a painting, there's no s- amount of time one appreciates a painting. Right. Um, and, um, uh, but that's a short period of time. Um, yet it can really reach heights of intensity in what is, you know, <laughs> like take the 11 minutes of that PETA song. Yeah. That's, that's a long song by pop music standards. Uh, obviously that's not pop music, but still, um, but it can transport you through quite a range of emotions. Whereas if you were just like walking somewhere during those 11 minutes, those would be, it would be totally unremarkable that basically nothing happened in your life during that time. Yeah. Um, so I think that's one of the sort of continuously intoxicating things about music is that it can concentrate so much life into such a short period of time. Um, that it's still a finite period of time, you know? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I, I agree and that's um, it's something that a lot of different forms of art have that uh, have have maybe different variations on that um, yeah it's a it's a different and, dosage it's like you yeah know, snorting cocaine versus uh, injecting it um, right. it's different each way <laughs> right and so that's yeah um, so maybe yeah and then maybe that you know uh, my our, our particular um, and now that it's late enough, I've started my vocabulary is starting to disappear from me. <laughs> but our our uh, amorous feelings towards that particular artistic experience, um, you know, I think it comes back to like probably compare uh, pretty similar to other people's, um, you know, love for other uh, uh, the way other forms of art. Uh, kind of convey that effect yeah um, and uh, uh, yeah so it's, <laughs> it's it's ultimately you know you have to you you just it, it, I wish there was a way we could add it up like within a person you know to see the their cumulative need and the cumulative effect of these things but uh, oh you you you're always wanting to rank things Joe let's just accept the <laughs> The non-ordinality of human experience. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, well, this is a topic that uh, 
books literally have been written on so i (laughs) we could extend this podcast forever but i think we've we've uh touched on some interesting ideas i hope yes it's time to go to bed all right well uh please everybody um thanks for listening and thanks for subscribing on itunes rating and reviewing we like all those things um you can contact us at savage beast pod on twitter savagebeastpod.com is our website and our email is savagebeastpod at gmail.com if you would like to write more than 140 characters at a time at us um so uh thanks very much please tell your friends we appreciate um all the interaction we get and um soon we will sell t-shirts at you or at least attempt to do so yes the savage beast t-shirt shop is coming soon Da, da, da. Yes. pretentious t-shirts to show that you too care about music more than uh the typical person <laughs> good night good night and remember listen to music uh that your conscious tells you to <laughs> do you feel that oh shit oh wah, ah, ah, ah. Come on, get down with the sickness. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. Open up your head and let it flow into me. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. You mother, get up, come on, get down with the sickness. You fucker, get up. Come on, get down with the sickness Madness is the gift that has been given to me I can see inside you the sickness is rising It seems that all that was good has died Oh no, the world is a scary place Now that you've woken up the demon in me Bobby, will you give it to me? Get up, come on, get down with the sickness, you mother.